from around the world. This is the Mutual Audio Network. In the beginning, there was radio drama and comedy. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Look, bud, I said your money or your life. I'm thinking it over. These creatures have scientific knowledge far in advance of our own. I've sworn to uphold the law. I've killed men in order to do it, and I'm prepared to do so again. My partner's Ed Jacobs. The boss is Captain Didion. My name's Friday. Today, through the new Mutual Audio Network, you can make sure your audio drama and or comedy productions reach a wide audience with available resources and the opportunity to make money. Interested? Whoever! Then visit MutualAudioNetwork.com or inquire at MutualAudio at gmail.com. The story you have just heard was true. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that all children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. The following audio drama is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the all-new Mutual Audio Network. Do you dare to go down into the cellar? The Cellar, starring the Narada Radio Company, and hosted by Cadavera Quivery. Whoops. Sorry. The scriptwriter made a teensy little error. That should read, Welcome, fiends. <laughs> you have entered my domain, the cellar. My name is Cadavra, Cadavra Quivery. I live down here in the dark with my beautiful creatures. Hmm? Oh, you say you don't see anything. <laughs> Perhaps this is a good thing, darlings. No. What is it they say? What you cannot see cannot hurt you? Or can it? <laughs> Tonight, fiends, I crack open my book of weird stories for the first time in, well, Centuries. Bring your candle closer so we can read it together, my dears. <laughs> hmm. I'm trying to remember the last time I read a story out of this book. It 
It was a gift from an old admirer. A very old admirer. From ancient Egypt. I had thought we might be married some day, but he, poor creature, could not bear to leave his mummy. <laughs> Ah, yes, this is the story I wanted to tell you tonight for our very first visit to the cellar. Are you ready? Good. <laughs> Let's meet George McDingle. He's just waking up in his apartment, and even though he just saw his doctor yesterday, he's not feeling very well. <laughs> Clock! Shut up! Oh, that's better. Oh, for the love of... My head feels like an elephant sat on it. I feel like I tied one on last night. But I didn't. I, what happened to me? I got home after 5.30 yesterday, and... I remember I started feeling sick, so... Went to bed, but before that... Ah, oh, Jesus. Who is that? What? Hello? Yes, this is my tingle. What? What did you... No, how could that be? I'm not late for work, it's only... But my clock says... What? It's what? Oh, shit. I mean, sorry, I... Wait, wait a minute, wait! Can't you shut up for one goddamn minute? Thank you. Now, as I was saying, my clock says it's only 6.30. And you say it's 9.30? Well, I am sorry, but something happened to my clock. On top of that, I don't feel very well, but I'm, I'll be there as soon as I can. Hello? Hello? Crap. Must have hung up. I missed it. Goddamn boss! Why don't you crash into a wall? Dr. Bannister, thanks for seeing me on such short notice. My head is 
killing me. I feel like I need to throw up, and the weirdest things have been happening around me this morning. Just what was in that shot you gave me yesterday. Mr. McDingle. George. It was only a vitamin B12 preparation. You've been complaining of feeling sluggish and forgetful, and vitamin B12 is good for your blood and your brain function. The vial I took it from is in here. Here, take a look. Nothing but vitamin B12. Oh. What's the matter, Doc? Um, it seems that I gave you some B12 from an expired vial uh, uh, past its shelf life. How, how long past? Is that bad? Not normally, no. Only a week or so. You might experience some discomfort, which you are now... Discomfort? I... There's a hammering inside my skull. My guts are all tied up in knots. I'm supposed to be at work right now, but instead I'm here with you, finding out that you probably <laughs> poisoned me and... <laughs> now, George, there's no reason to react this way. I'm certain that this reaction is more from the stress and the sluggishness you've been feeling, nothing more. All I know is that I can't stand this pain. I can barely think. Ah, And that noise is stabbing into my head. That Coast Guard helicopter, can't you hear it? It's so loud. It's stabbing into my head. Why doesn't it just stop so I can have some peace and... just fell out of the sky. Oh, oh, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I did that. I did that. I made the helicopter fall from the sky and I made the bus crash into a wall. And earlier when I was on the phone, I, I told a person to shut up for a minute and he did. I think... Even the alarm clock stopped when I told it to. I'm a menace, Doc. I'm a menace. Wh what can I do? Can you help me? George, don't be so melodramatic. Of course, I'll help you in any way I can. But everything that's happened is nothing more than coincidence, man. No one has the power to cause such destruction simply by wishing it. Now... I think you need a sedative, but I don't want to give it to you here. I could take you to the hospital, but... What could they do for me there? I was just about to say not much, but the vitamin shot is already absorbed into your system, if that is the cause of your fear. Can you take me home? Of course. Let me tell the front desk. Doc, we've been trying to flag a cab for five minutes now. We might as well walk to my place. All right, we've got the signal. Let's go. Hey, dipshit! What, are you trying to get yourself killed? You asshole! 
Why don't you look where you're going? I had the signal in my favor when I entered the intersection. Well, I got the green light and I ain't got all goddamn day to wait on you, shithead. You stinking fuck. You delivery guys think you and your fucking trucks own the whole goddamn road. Well, you know what I think of you truck drivers? I think somebody should run over you. That's what I think, shit for brains. Oh, yeah? Well, we'll see about that, you little... Now, come here, shithead. George, oh my god! Did you see that? That other truck came out of nowhere. How did that happen? Now do you believe it's me, Doc? Now do you believe I'm a goddamn menace? It's unbelievable. I just don't know what to think. Let's get you out of here. All right, George. Why don't you sit down on the sofa there, and I'll give you a sedative. Nah, Doc, I'll tell you what'll calm me down. Ah! Oh, that hits the spot. Whew. Now I'll sit down, eh? <laughs> yeah, boy, and another. So, what do you think, Doc? I think I've never seen anything like what I saw out on the street a few minutes ago. George, if you are, if you are the cause of that, th that, that horrible thing, I advise you strongly to clear your mind of all negative thoughts, whatever power you've acquired, be it from the expired B12 or something else, there's a possibility that it could grow even stronger. I mean... <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, strong. Stronger. That's me, Mighty Man McDingle, the most powerful mortal in the world. Whatever I wish for comes true. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it, Doc? I mean, look at me. Not exactly tall. Not exactly well-built. Hardly any muscles at all come to think of it. Ask me to move that sofa, and I'll tell you I need two more guys while I watch them do it. No, you know, the more I think about it, the less I believe it was me. I'm sure that some big brain could give you a fancy scientific explanation for all that stuff. The buzz, the telephone, the alarm clock. It just couldn't be my fault. But what about the helicopter? What about the truck driver getting run over? Engine trouble, electromagnetism. How should I know? I only know it wasn't me. It just couldn't be. Well, let me get this. Hello? Oh, hello, Ma. How's it going? How's Pop? Yeah? Well, I know I haven't called you. I'm sorry. I'm... I'm just... Wait, Ma? Ma? I'm sorry. I'm trying to explain. Ma, your yelling is making my head hurt. Ma, come on, Ma. You know I'm not like that at all. Well, I'm proud to be just like Pop if you want to know. Cut it out, Ma. Ma, my head, please. Stop yelling at me. Damn it, Ma. Sometimes you get me so mad, 
I sometimes wish you would just drop dead. What? I said drop dead. Ma? Ma, are you there? Ma? Ma? Pop. Pop, what happened? Oh my god. Doc! Doc! What is it, George? My pop says my ma just dropped dead. Oh. Huh? What, what am I doing in bed? What time? Oh. Hi, Doc. What's going on? You drank yourself into quite a stupor this afternoon, George. I decided to stick around and make sure nothing bad happened. Oh, like you dying. How's your head? Oh, it's okay. Really? No, it's killing me. Oh, hello. I didn't see you there at first. Hello, Mr. McDingle. Hello, Shelley. George. Miss Dorsey came by after you'd passed out, because she was concerned about the shouting. I invited her in, and we've spent the last few hours chatting about you and your current situation. You mean how I keep killing people? Now, George, I'm inclined to agree with you when you say that this isn't your fault. Nobody could ever anticipate such a thing happening, don't you agree? Miss Dorsey understands fully and has a suggestion for you. Isn't that right? Yes. Mr. McDingle, I want to help you, if I can. From what Dr. Bannister has been saying, these, well, let's call them experiences, these experiences you've been having have all been of a negative nature. The helicopter, the trucks, your, um... My mother. Yes. And I'm sorry for your loss. What I wanted to suggest was... So beautiful. Hmm? What was that you said, Mr. McDingle? Nothing. Call me George, okay? All right, George. What I I said you were beautiful, Shelley. Oh, thank you, uh, George. I've noticed you since you moved in next door. How long have you lived in the building now? About five months, I guess. Four months, three weeks, and six days. Oh. But who's counting, right? Uh, No, I, I noticed you right away. Always a smile on your face, even though you're on those, um... Crutches, are they called? Yes. Well, a smile is better than a frown, my mother always said. And it's a beautiful smile, Shelley. I'm always happier after I see you. You cheer me up. Thank you. But George... But, as the good doctor was about to say, you had a suggestion for me. Well, I'm eager to hear it. Are are you a doctor too, Shelley? No, I'm a graduate student in clinical psychology. So do you think this is all just in my head? No, George. From what Dr. Bannister has told me, and from what I've seen on the TV, what's been happening is very real. There's no rational explanation for these experiences, so there must be some power at work that we can't quite explain. So, for my suggestion, I'd like you to consider channeling your new power away from the negative influences to something more positive. Positive? What do you mean? Using it for good. For making the world a better place in which to live. Easing someone's pain, healing the sick, whatever you want, so long as it isn't hurting other people. I see. I I have been hurting people, haven't I? I was in so much pain that it made me angry, and that 
anger and pain just built up until I couldn't control myself. And so I said the first thing that came into my mind. So why not try it another way, George? Why not think of something positive, something good, and use your power to bring that about? I want to, Doc. I really want to. Can, can you give me an idea, something to start with? Why not start with something right here in this room? Doctor, no, I, I don't what want... Is it, what are you wanting me to do? You could cure Miss Dorsey's disability. Help her walk on her own power without the crutches. Doctor, no. This isn't why I wanted to help, George. But would you like it if I was able to cure you? I... I... Yes. Yes, I... All right. I wish... I wish you could walk on your own. (sighs) Looks like it didn't happen, George. No. I'm sorry, Shelley. Doctor, what do you think went wrong here? I'm not sure, Miss Dorsey, although it might have been because George wasn't in a sufficiently worked-up state the way he was earlier today. If only we could get him worked up into the same fervor, but in a positive way, for a good cause. Well, then he could say healing words instead of destructive words. Yes, that's very good, Miss Dorsey. If we could help George channel this energy up to the same level, but with a little... Excuse me, but George is still here in the room with you. Yes, George, I'm sorry. Of course, George. We want you to be part of the conversation. Well, here's how I feel about it, Shelley. Maybe I couldn't cure your legs because I felt that if I did, you'd just use those legs to walk away from me. What? I mean, that's what all the women in my life have done. Walked away from me. My mother always pushed me away. My marriage lasted all of five minutes. Why should you be any different? I guess... I guess I've been in love with you for a while, Shelley, but what would happen if I cured you? Would you love me too? Would you pretend to for a while? No, I I can't live that way. Under the circumstances, I think it would be better if you had no legs at all. George! Good God, man! What have you done? Looks as if the damage caused by the falling ceiling completely crushed them, and our only recourse is to amputate Miss Dorsey's legs. I'm sorry, Dr. Bannister. Was she a friend of yours? Not exactly, Doctor. But I was there when it happened. Are you injured in any way? No. No, I'm just dusty from the plaster. Will you keep me posted on Miss Dorsey? Of course. She's being prepped for surgery, and I'm going in now. Make yourselves comfortable here in the lounge. Doc, I don't know what to say. George, there isn't anything to say. Miss Dorsey, Shelley was here to help you, and you thanked her by crushing her legs to pulp. Doc, I know. I know. I'm a monster. All I did was make a casual remark about her legs, and the ceiling fell in. I didn't even visualize the result. Oh, Jesus Christ. Well, don't you know what this means? 
Your power is growing stronger. Your conscious mind makes a wish and your subconscious fills in the details. I hate to think what's going to happen next. What's going to trigger the next disaster? Doc, please. Don't you think I feel bad enough already? I mean, I killed my own mother. I maimed a disabled woman. I murdered the people on that helicopter and the driver of that truck. Not to mention whoever was on that bus. I've hit rock bottom, Doc. Oh. Now listen, I didn't mean for any of this to happen. And none of it would have happened if you hadn't given me that shot, you know? Now see here, McDingle. We can't be sure if that shot did anything. Of course we can be sure, Doctor. Don't try to kid yourself. But don't think I'm blaming you. Accidents happen, don't they? And I think we can safely classify what's happened today as accidents, can't we? Can't we, Doctor? Well, I... I suppose, in a way... Well, yes. All right, then. What I'm trying to say is, you and I need to trust each other, Doctor. We need to help each other. Trust each other? At least until I've mastered this power of mine. We need to stick together, Doc, and help each other. Dr. Bannister? Yes, Doctor? I'm sorry to inform you that Miss Dorsey didn't make it. Oh, no. <gasps> yes, I'm afraid she'd lost too much blood, and her heart couldn't take it. I am... You incompetent fool. What? You bungling, incompetent fool. Shelly's dead, eh? Well, then you should be dead, too. <sighs> now, as I was saying, Doc, we need to work together until... You murdered him! I'm sorry? You murdered the surgeon. You were as cool as a cucumber and merely suggested that he die, and... I've got to get out of here. Get away from you. No, Doctor. You're not going anywhere. What did you say? I said... You're not going anywhere. I need you, Doc. I was serious when I said we need to trust each other. How can I trust you, George, after what I've seen? Well, how can you not? Think about it a minute. I can't think. I can't think with a dead man, a colleague, on the floor at our feet. Well, I think I can fix that. Go away now. So, Dr. Bannister, I think you can see what I'm capable of. But I'm willing to trust you, and willing to protect you as well. Protect me? Yes. Protect your reputation from the press. Don't you think it would hurt your reputation if the world found out that it was your mistake that had, shall we say, created me? Why, that's the farthest thing from my mind. I know. And that's what I admire about you, Doc. And that's why I'm willing to protect you, to trust you. But even so, I can't let you out of my sight while I'm uh, perfecting my power. I'm going to need things, and you're going to get them for me. 
Yes, and what I did with your surgeon friend there, I am pretty sure that I could do the same thing to every living being in this hospital. Would you like me to show you? No. No, George. I believe you. What do you want from me? Nothing yet. <sighs> Nothing quite yet. For now, just your protection. Watch over me while I'm mm, sleeping. I'm so tired. It's been a very long day. Oh, my head. Doc, my head. Help me. Do you want something for the pain? Yes. Oh, God, it's worse than it was this morning. Hurry, Doc, give me something. All right. I've got something here that should work. Give me your arm. There. This should work pretty quickly. Lie back on the sofa. Whew! You're right, Doc. That's damn quick. Oh, better. I'm gonna sleep now. Take care of me, Doc. Trust you, Doc. <sighs> Hello? Police? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. This is Dr. Frederick Bannister. I'm calling to report a murder. Hmm? My patient, George McDingle. Yes. Just now. What? Who's the killer? Me. Wasn't that simply sinewy? <laughs> I mean, sinful. George reminds me of this creature I once knew. I think his name was Frank. <laughs> well, if it wasn't for the work that his doctor did, Frank would have been like so many other muscle men, all brawn and no brain. <laughs> Tonight's story was our season one premiere, Mighty Man McDingle. And I, of course, am your very own Cadavra Quivery. <laughs>
Mighty Man McDingle was written by Pete Lutz and inspired by an episode of Arch Obler's classic radio series, Lights Out. I look forward to our next meeting, fiends. Until then, remember, don't take candy from stranglers. The Cellar is produced and directed by Pete Lutz. The theme was composed and performed by Tom Rory Parsons. Our cast consisted of the following players. Christian Ferris as George McDingle. Thomas Goodwin as Dr. Bannister. Pete Lutz as the truck driver. Angela Young as Shelley Dorsey. And Steve Blizzon as the surgeon. Cadavera Quivery is played by Angela Young. This is Graham Rowett speaking. The Cellar is a 63 audio production, mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas. Join us next time when Cadavera tells you a tale of old Mexico and how a young boy's life is changed forever by a strange woman. Here's a scene from that episode. It's called Moonlight Becomes Magenta by Paul Whitcover. <laughs> ah, Senor Paolo. So wonderful to see you. I am here, Teniente Benitez. You are much younger than I expected. You are much more human than I expected. Turn the boy loose. Ah, yes. I did say I would not kill him. Stay where you are, Senor Pablo. Guards. Shot him for no reason. <laughs> I said I would not kill him, but I did not say I would not shoot him. <laughs> Next time on The Cellar. Sixty three audio. I still think radio is probably the greatest entertainment medium ever invented. It made the audience work. Instead of a big, ugly glass picture tube, you saw the performers in your own mind. We we're a family. It was a nucleus of people that you never grew away from. When I arrived, all of the WTIC people had started mm -hmm. and were working in New York and introduced me to different people and got me at least into some of the auditions. I think there is something so special between the listener and the other side of the microphone in the studio. Breaking Walls is the podcast on the history of American radio broadcasting focusing on moments, shows, and people from the golden age of radio. Subscribe to Breaking Walls everywhere you get your podcasts and at thewallbreakers.com. <laughs>